0: story and your first ever bonus episode. We are, <laughs> why are you I don't know
1: because I was about to throw in a whoop whoop but <laughs> okay. I didn't want to interrupt you but well, I Well
0: yes we're doing a bonus episode because I feel like the last the first part to this got cut off really abruptly and that's because I've been writing all day And I just had enough. I was like, I need to call it. I've been here for hours. I'm I'm already over 5,000 words, which is usually what I write in one episode. So, and I was only halfway done. So, I was like, I'm going to two-part it. But then after we recorded it, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to smash this out and we're going to do it as a bonus episode and then start fresh next week. Because I still feel guilty that I dropped two two two-parters in a row.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to get it done as well. Okay. So, they can thank me because I just couldn't wait.
0: No worries. Well, because it's bonus, we're not going to fuck around today. We're just going to get straight back into it. Okay. Well, basically, according to Royal Caribbean, security actually knocked on Yellow's door some bu- sometime between 7.30 and 8 a.m. Given that Ron Bradley didn't alert security that Amy was missing until around 7 a.m., there's no way security were knocking on Yellow's door at around 6 a.m. Mm. That's where we left off. Um, And then we kind of just got some feedback What f- about... Like what you thought was happening. Um, I'm just going to get, swap over to my new script and we'll go from there. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Tell me, darling.
1: <laughs> Tell me part two, darling. Tell me part two. So upon. Oh, what was that? What did I say? None. what you did. What did I do? Nothing.
0: Okay. Upon hearing this information, Brad remembered bumping into Yellow that morning and how Yellow said to him, I'm sorry to hear that your sister is mis- missing, which now looking back, Yellow shouldn't have known that Amy was missing and oh. as it hadn't been announced yet.
1: I thought he said that to the dad. I thought the dad bumped into him and said, sorry about...
0: No, it was Brad, the brother. It was brother.
1: Brad, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's sus. What does he know?
0: Yeah. So, um, So Brad mentioned this about... Um, yellow, but Royal Caribbean argued that they were searching for Amy at the time, and that word would have spread throughout the crew of a missing woman presumed overboard. So it's possible that he did know at the time. So mm. Royal Caribbean are basically saying that about Yellow. Okay. Um, By the time the ship docked back in port in Puerto Rico, the Bradleys still had no idea where Amy was and no answers. The cruise line would come out to say that they didn't believe there was foul play linked with the disappearance of Amy Lynn Bradley and that it was more than likely that Amy had fallen overboard and drowned. However, FBI investigators didn't believe that Amy had fallen overboard at all. The Coast Guard, Air and Sea Search team completed their three-day search but with no trace of Amy, the search was called off. During their onboard investigation, the FBI couldn't find any evidence to link Yellow to Amy's disappearance and he was not considered a suspect. But he was fired at the end of the cruise for fraternizing with passengers.
1: Uh like dancing and getting yeah, too close. Yeah, I guess I'm yeah. a little too close. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, and that's is that the end of that?
0: That's the end of yellow, basically. No way. Yeah. So just gonna- that's it, yeah. So after the rough city of the Seas disembarked, their guests at the port in Puerto Rico, the Bradleys made the long gut-wrenching journey home without Amy. Upon discovering the news that Amy was missing, their friends and family rallied around them. They decided that they needed to do something to get answers and so they set up a hotline and a website in the hope that someone might come forward with information. With the phone hotline set up in their home, the Bradleys barely left it. They didn't want the chance of missing any phone calls coming in that might lead them to finding their only daughter. The walls were filled with photos of Amy, notes and a map of the world. Friends and family were often around to help. Four days after they returned home, a Spanish-speaking man called the hotline. The caller was a Puerto Rican who was studying to be a police officer. He'd just seen a news report on Amy's disappearance and he realised that he had seen her just days before.
1: On the R. So, okay, obviously they're back home and he had seen her days before he thinks in the streets, not like, not on the cruise, was he?
0: In Puerto Rico. Oh, in Puerto yeah. Rico, sorry. So, this is four days after they returned home. Yes, okay, yeah, 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 I'm been with you. for about a week at yep. this point. He tells the Bradleys that he believes he saw Amy being forced into a taxi by a man with a baseball cap at the terminal in San Juan, Puerto Rico, shortly after the cruise ship they were holidaying, docked there on March 28th. It caught his eye because he felt like it looked like a policeman forcibly putting someone into a cop car. The woman he saw didn't appear happy and she looked disorientated. He thought that they looked like they were fighting. After hearing this, Ron Bradley phoned the FBI agents investigating Amy's case and gave him the witness details. With this new information, Ron and Brad made plans to go back to Curacao and Ron's boss funded the search as well as put up a $250,000 reward money for any information that would lead to the safe return of Amy and also another $50,000 reward that pinpointed her verifiable location. Within a few weeks, the Bradleys had hired private detectives to board the Rhapsody of the Seas undercover but it turned up nothing. The FBI continued to look into Amy's background, but once again, there was nothing unusual that stood out to them, and they definitely ruled out the possibility of a suicide.
1: Uh-huh. So, what did they hire the undercover detectives for? What were they trying to find on the ship?
0: I think just like if any staff were like talking about it, if, or just okay. like any anything that felt uncomfortable yep. to them, like as a guest. So, see
1: if there was some sort of like um,
0: underground, yeah, kind like of drug, not
1: drug ring, yes, yeah, sex ring, or so, drug yeah, ring, yeah, just or something, something like that.
0: that stood out, but nothing. Stood out to okay. them. The Bradleys still believe that Amy may have been drugged while drinking whatever drink she had with yellow in the disco area on the morning of her disappearance. Mm. They believe that she may have been put in the staff elevator and sent to a lower level of the ship, possibly put into a laundry or a garbage hamper and smuggled off the cruise ship undetected. Iva truly believes that Amy was targeted. They believe someone saw her board, kept an eye on her throughout the cruise, stole her photos from the board to use to, like, I guess, like, show yep. sex rings and, and, like, get, like, a bid, I'm assuming. Like, how much do you want for her? Mm-hmm. And upon reflection of their cruise, Ivor and Ron realized that the attention and interactions between Amy and the staff on board the Rhapsody of the Seas definitely leaned towards the side of unusual. They kept rethinking about the behaviors of the waiters that first night and how forward they'd been to Amy. Yeah. I mean, who are someone that they just met on a ship? Can on we, the first yeah, night, can we take, take you to yeah. a bar that's not even on the ship? Mm. On April 17th, 1998, just three weeks after returning from their holiday from hell, the Bradleys put out a public plea for help encouraging whoever had Amy to please let her go. They asked them to blindfold Amy and leave her somewhere safe at night. The Bradleys then wrote, She doesn't know who you are and just wants to be with her family in her country. We will ask no questions. You will remain unknown. Please let Amy go. However, despite the pleas, the FBI inquiries and numerous media media spotlights, such as articles and newspapers, features on America's Most Wanted, Vanished and the Dr. Phil show, yielded no progress in Amy's case or any clarifications regarding her vanishing. The situation took a turn when David Carmichael, an individual who happened to catch an episode of America's Most Wanted, immediately recognized Amy's photographs.
1: So who's who's this guy? Or you're about to get into it? Yes. Okay.
0: Promptly reaching out to the provided hotline, he recounted an incident from five months after Amy's initial disappearance. He and a friend with whom he shared scuba diving experiences were sunbathing on a beach in Curacao. On that day, they observed three individuals strolling along the shoreline, two men and a woman. This woman bore distinct tattoos, an image of a gecko and another of a Tasmanian devil. According to Carmichael, the woman approached him with an anxious expression as if she intended to convey something. However, one of the men signaled her to move away. The woman saw—the moment he saw Amy's image on the program, he was certain that the woman he had counted, encountered was Amy. Damn. Yeah.
1: Man, this is like some taken stuff. Like, mm. Yeah. So in
0: 1999, the Bradley family pursued legal action to declare Amy legally dead. Uh-huh. This request was granted in June. Their decision stemmed from the fact that while they clung to the hope that Amy might still be alive, they wished to proceed with legal measures against Royal Caribbean. And this endeavour would have been complicated had Amy been considered alive. So they had her officially declared dead.
1: Wow. Okay. Um, so the family declared her dead so they could then Sue p- Royal Caribbean. Okay, and, and what grounds are they trying to sue them on? Negligence?
0: Yeah, so the Bradleys initiated a lawsuit against Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited, alleging negligence, insecurity, defamation and causing initial emotional distress. Mm-hmm. However, by November 1999, the presiding judge dismissed all charges against the cruise line. This was due to allegations of perjury and fraud against the Bradley family. During the presentation of evidence, the Bradleys acknowledged only three witnesses who had seen Amy prior to her disappearance, all of whom claimed that she was under duress. However, they omitted the fact omitted the fact that they possessed around a hundred reporting reported sightings of Amy, apparently living independent, independently on the island without any signs of coercion. So they they got like they had three um, witnesses that basically said that they seen Amy under duress. So,
1: Amy's parents had the witnesses? Yes, uh-huh. in court and were yep. like,
0: they seen her. She was disorientated. Mm-hmm. Like, she definitely looked like she'd yeah. been kidnapped. But they also had a 100 alleged sightings of Amy saying that she was alive and On well and happy in the island. But they didn't include those in their in the trial. Uh-huh. So, um, the judge was saying, like, it's like fraud and perjury. Yeah, but
1: like, they don't need to, like... That would wouldn't that be the defense from?
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I that's was what confused. I thought they. Cause yeah.
1: Yeah, but man, that's
0: it's like great. you pick your own witnesses. Yeah. Anyway, um, the additional sightings could have influenced the court's perception and potentially suggested that Amy willingly left the cruise. The court ruled that the Bradleys had misled the proceedings, attempting to establish the sole narrative that Amy's disappearance resulted from an induction abduction despite this setback the bradleys persevered in their quest for answers but yeah that sucks
1: that does suck yeah man like it's just it just everything seems like it all feels like that something like that has happened yeah but that's the like like i'm hoping we get some some closure or answers but that's just what it feels like
0: yeah it would be hard like i always thought in like court it's your responsibility to make your case and, that's it, yeah. and share your narrative. Yeah. But um, you,
1: you're not going to sh- share anything that's going to be... That's not going to help your case. Yeah. So. I
0: don't know. I don't know. Maybe it counts as evidence yeah. and so they have to present it. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Shortly after the trial concluded, a Curuso local reached out to the Bradleys with crucial information... A resident cook named Judith Margarita believed that Amy was being held captive within a secure housing complex guarded by heavily armed Colombian personnel. She described the complex complex as fortified with barbed wire. According to Judith, she frequently encountered Amy at a local grocery store and observed her engaging in workouts at a nearby gym. Amy was often seen with a man sporting long blonde hair and he had a distinctive tattoo running down one arm. A particularly poignant detail was when Judith hummed a lullaby that Amy's mother used to sing to her as a baby. The Bradleys found Judith's account to be deeply convincing. However, authorities were less enthusiastic, informing the Bradleys that the information lacked concrete evidence of a crime. Given the sluggish progress of the FBI's investigation, this lead did not receive high priority. So, they they basically didn't take it seriously.
1: Damn. So, yeah. and the Bradleys couldn't, is it Bradleys, is that last name? Yeah. They couldn't hire their own like internal or private investigator to go in and try and do some, mm-hmm. like uh, like a recon mission, go in and get her out.
0: You're getting better at this.
1: Of course I am. I'm just thinking what I'll be doing. I'm getting my Liam Nelson on.
0: Mm. Well, while... Deliberating on how to proceed with this newly acquired information, the Bradleys receive an email from an individual named Frank Jones. Claiming to be a former U.S. Army Special Forces officer, Frank mentioned his team, comprised of ex-Army Rangers and ex-Navy SEALs, and expressed his readiness to assist in Amy's rescue. Mm -hmm. Informed about Judith's revelations, Frank offered his services as a private investigator. He proposed assessing the situation on site and subsequently executing a covert mission to retrieve Amy.
1: Damn, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's even if it is the case. Like, what if... You know, like, if it is her or if it's just someone that everyone thinks is her, they go in and it's not.
0: Yeah. So, he asserted to the Bradleys that he had the skills to infiltrate and extract Amy. Frank's team possessed the necessary expertise and credentials to carry out such an operation. Sensing a glimmer of hope, the Bradleys decided to enlist Frank Jones for this mission – they even made personal sacrifices by parting with their car and received additional financial support from Ron's employer to fund the undertaking. In oh, the year since what, Amy's
1: Hold up, fund it. How much is it? Did you say? Did you tell me how much it was?
0: Um, no, but I've got it in here later. Okay. Yeah. All right. In the year since Amy's disappearance, the Bradleys and their unwavering belief in her survival navigated through a series of leads that ultimately led nowhere. However, Judith's information struck a different chord, igniting an intuition with them. Despite the inherent risks, Frank Jones and his team embarked on a journey to Curacao, guarded by Judith's provided details. Yeah,
1: let's go Frank.
0: Yeah. Not long after, Frank Jones relayed a report to the Bradleys, expressing his conviction that Amy was indeed in a precarious situation and under close guard. An attempt to establish surveillance points based on the given information yielded a sighting of a vehicle believed to be operated by her captor, a man with long blonde hair and unique tattoos driving a dark green SUV. Yet their efforts encountered resistance, compelling Frank Jones and his team to retreat after encountering fire from a group of approximately 10 individuals. Despite the danger, the knowledge knowledge that Amy was alive provided some comfort to the Bradleys. The following months became a formidable trial, with the Bradleys persistently grappling with the spectre of Amy's imminent danger. Their desire to dispatch Frank Jones back immediately was tempted by the grave risks involved, and they had to place their trust in him and his team Over the ensuing months, Frank sent two more of his operatives to the area, providing regular updates to the Bradleys about Amy's whereabouts. Amidst this period of anxious waiting, the Bradleys clung to hope that each new day could potentially herald Amy's long-awaited rescue, a moment that would reunite their fractured family. So they're holding on to hope every day at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And by this, like, how long has it been now?
0: Um, it's been a year, so this is within the first year.
1: Yep. Yeah, and it doesn't take, from what I've seen, like in other things, it doesn't take that long to like wear someone down and like make them think that they have no option of ever getting out or trying are you talking to escape. About Amy? Yeah, Amy. Like if yeah. she, if if it is her, those people have obviously done some crazy things to her or brainwashed her into saying like, no, you don't. It's you very don't have common a that anymore or
0: women this. who are stolen and kidnapped and sold into sex trafficking the first however many weeks of their life are spent being brutally raped in Mm. an attempt to break them in like that's what they do to them and they drug them and they get them addicted to drugs and that's how they keep them like going like nobody of sound mind or willingness does that Mm. without yeah it's awful So in 1999, there was another potential sighting of Amy in Curacao. A man not interested in any reward money, but rather driven by his conscience, came forward. He happened to be an American sailor who had stopped in Curacao and visited a brothel. In an activity he wasn't supposed to be engaged in, at the brothel he recounted approaching two women at a table – one of them introduced herself as Amy Bradley and urgently pleaded for help. She conveyed that she couldn't leave. He, she kept asking, he, uh, asking him for assistance and he kept dismissing her, please, due to his lack of awareness about Amy's disappearance. Like, he didn't know who Amy Bradley he was. He thought that
1: maybe she was some crazy person. I yeah.
0: presume so. But if you're fucking going into those places and someone's like, please help me, like, what do you think they're there for? Yeah. Like, the, mm. he... So, he didn't understand who Amy was. Anyway, um, he was more scared about getting in trouble because he trouble. wasn't supposed yeah. to be there.
1: Well, see for that, like I've never been to one, but you'd be scared of getting in trouble. But if you're going to one overseas in one of those hectic places, you'd yeah. be thinking these girls belong to someone. And if I Surely, try and walk yeah. out with them, I'm going to die.
0: He wasn't thinking about... That he, that didn't even cross his mind. Oh, he was like, was, yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a sailor. Yeah. So, he, he was thinking about getting in trouble by his seniors.
1: Oh, like he was like a like in Navy sailor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sailor. yeah, that's naughty.
0: So, dismissing her pleas due to his lack of awareness about Amy's disappearance and just worried about his own apprehensions apprehensions of his superior's judgment he later recognized amy's image in a people magazine and realized that the woman he had encountered matched her description he then remembered that after he remembered that she was asking him for help and the woman was after this the woman was escorted upstairs by two men when investigators went to check the brothel out and have a look at it Mm -hmm. it was burnt down wasn't there anymore
1: New location.
0: Yeah, crazy. So around the same time, Chris Fenwick. Do you remember who that is?
1: Um, Chris Fenwick is the talk. Tell me who he is again.
0: He is the onboard videographer. Yes. Well, he was the onboard yes. videographer.
1: Yes. Yep, yep,
0: yep. He received a call from his brother, who had just seen a rerun of the TV segment segment about Amy on Unsolved Mysteries. Uh-huh. Once again, the full so. This was like a rerun and yep. the first time he had watched it, he noticed that the video he shot of Amy and Yellow weren't wasn't on the show. They didn't share it. Okay. Yeah, which he thought was weird, but yep. he was like maybe I missed it. Anyway, the rerun came on and his brother called him and was like, Oh, did you know that the full video footage wasn't showed on the show? Like oh. they aren't showing Amy and Yellow. And so Chris contacted the network and inquired if they were aware of the footage. And several days later, he received a call from the Bradleys who also hadn't seen the video. Like I guess the network contacted the Bradleys and asked them about it. Mm -hmm. So they hadn't seen it either. And it was only a couple of weeks after the cruise. He let Ron's boss know that he had a copy of this tape. Yep. and gave it to him to give to the Bradleys. Oh, so, he okay. was really confused at why they didn't have a copy already or yes. why they'd never seen it. Yep. Um, so, Chris promptly provided them with a copy and almost a year and a half had passed since he initially offered the video. Mm-hmm. The remainder of 1999 and the year 2000 proved to be exceedingly challenging for the Bradleys. Frank Jones continued his surveillance efforts, keeping them informed as his investigations confirmed Judith's information. The validation of her account through ongoing surveillance and additional operatives incurred additional expenses for Ron and Ivor. Despite the financial strain, they persevered, utilising their savings and receiving aid from donors and non-profit organisations. Ultimately, Frank Jones informed them that he was ready to initiate a rescue mission. However, he required a final payment to organise his team. With financial support and advice from Bron's employer, the Bradley sought proof of Amy's continued survival before proceeding. Mm-hmm. They sent Jones a photograph. Oh, sorry, Frank Jones sent, sent them a yep. photograph depicting a young woman on a beach with her back to the camera, accompanied by a man with long blonde hair and a distinctive tattoo. The woman was wearing a wide brimmed hat concealing her face, but her tattoos were unmistakable.
1: How, sorry, how were they? Do you know how they were communicating this stage? It wasn't just, was it male? send like send them letters like how or how were they communicating or email they would have had email and the, yeah it was email and not yeah
0: it was yeah i think it was via email because he okay. was over there yeah the photograph confirmed amy's identity and identity for them instilling hope that her rescue was imminent so they basically were like yeah we're gonna pay you give us proof he sent them a photo mm-hmm. they were like yeah well, that's definitely amy you're good to go yep Arrangements were made, the final payment was secured, and the Bradleys flew to Florida to await news from Frank Jones. With a private jet available, they could swiftly travel to Curaçao upon receiving confirmation of Amy's rescue.
1: Okay, so they went to Florida cuz from Florida they could get a private jet to there. Curaçao. Or is that yeah. is Florida and that place close?
0: I think that's why. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. So while they awaited anxiously, anxiously, they were informed that Frank Jones would call them when the rescue was successful. However, amidst these preparations, doubts began to emerge. In Curacao, one of Frank Jones's operatives, his name is Tim Bulkholes, but I'm just going to call him Tim because I don't know how to say his last mm-hmm. name. He was a former army special forces sniper, and he grew increasingly skeptical of Frank Jones's claims. Tim, stationed to watch the house where Amy was reportedly held, failed to observe any signs of her presence – The occupants of the house appeared to be ordinary people and nothing appeared suspicious. Eventually, Tim overheard Frank on the phone in a bar relaying information to the Bradleys that contradicted the reality he was witnessing. He realized that Frank was misleading them. So Frank had been saying that like Amy had been spotted coming in and out of the house and there was like barbed wire and armed guards and Tim's like, no, there isn't.
1: So Frank, is Frank a fraud?
0: I think Frank's a fraud.
1: Fuck. But he's, was he legit an ex-army? Yeah. So his story is so, like his background's true. He wasn't just some random making it yeah. all up. He had a team of real people.
0: Real people that had been hired. But he was just, yeah. maybe
1: just trying to get money out of... So
0: That's Tim fuck. contacted yep. the Bradleys who were still in Florida awaiting word from Frank. He had to break the news that Frank had been dishonest. Some of the operatives who worked with Frank were unaware of the deception until that point. The Bradleys struggled to come to terms with this revelation. So the people he had hired were legit. Yeah. But they didn't know that they were looking for Amy Lynn Bradley. Uh, I'm not really sure what they thought that they were looking at or whether they were just thinking that they were just doing surveillance and taking note. But yep. they weren't aware that they were there for Amy Lynn Bradley. Wow. By this point, the Bradleys had expended around $24,000 of their own personal savings and over 180000 one $180,000 from the Amy Bradley Fund at a non profit organization dedicated to missing children. Whoa.
1: Okay. Yeah. 20000 of their own money. twenty four, And then
0: 180000 from an
1: organization like yeah. donations and things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a lot of money. All yeah. for. It's not nothing, is it? Is it nothing? It's for
0: nothing. Fuck. He scammed them. Upon discovering that the photo provided as proof was also fabricated, the Bradleys were devastated. The exploitation of their vulnerability as desperate parents was incomprehensible. John Izzard, who had been collaborating with Frank on this, admitted to his involvement in the scheme. He acknowledged posing as the kidnapper wearing a blonde wig and orchestrating a staged photograph on the beach. Temporary tattoos were used to mimic Amy's appearance and Frank Jones captured the image. Judith Margarita, who had initiated the original tip saying that it was Amy on the beach and coming out of that house, claimed that her story had been concocted by her mother, Ava Lady, who sought financial gain. Despite these revelations, Judith maintained that she had never lied to the Bradleys. In February 2002, federal prosecutors charged Frank Jones with defrauding the Bradleys of $24,000 and the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children of $186,000. Jones pleaded guilty, receiving a five-year prison sentence and ordered to reimburse the funds to both parties. It was discovered that Jones had never served in the Special Forces.
1: Oh, so he didn't. Mm. So someone had just got a wind of this and thought...
0: Scam. Yeah, crazy. And that's the But worst the people that he hired...
1: Were legit. ...were, yep.
0: like, retired and things mm-hmm. like that. And they just thought that they were getting, like, an extra security job.
1: Man, and that's a scam that, you know, 95% of parents in this situation would fall for. Would, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, I agree. In 2004, seven years after Amy's disappearance, an anonymous source went online... Oh, it was sent online photos to the Bradleys from a sex website advertising Caribbean sex holidays. The website featured explicit content with suggested suggestive images of women for buyers to choose from. Among the photos, the Bradleys noticed one of a, one of the women named Jazz who bore a resemblance to an older version of Amy. An accompanying email hinted that she had been subjected to sexual slavery. FBI profiler, Clint Van Zand, and he was a forensic expert, examined the images considering the possibility that the woman in the photos was Amy. He said that it was definitely likely that it was Amy.
1: How come the American government couldn't just go, fuck this, we're going in? Like, Because it
0: it wasn't a crime on um, US soil and at the time there wasn't really any laws
1: like around... But yeah, I understand that, but how how come they can't just be like that's one of our citizens, we're going in to get them. It doesn't matter if it's a crime or not. We we know they're in danger, we know they're being taken. Because they
0: don't actually know. There's mm. no been like any factual sightings of Amy or like confirmed sightings. They but, don't but know where she is. Everything is or if pointed. she's alive.
1: Yeah. Mm. Okay.
0: Mm. But also it, it would be like waging war on another country
1: so but that country wouldn't be able to back it up i don't think
0: i don't know they're like the the drug capital of the world like there's heavy shit that goes on there hmm. the girls aren't staying there out of their own free will like, i know but like, like think that's that just, they have guns and
1: i reckon if they if they really wanted to and i know for a fact they would be able to just go in all guns blazing take all them
0: guns out. blazing which means well, casualties not,
1: no <laughs> It's just... I don't know. I find that it's just... If if that is the and case... And then if I you
0: do it for one, you you have to do it for yeah, all. Yeah, you can do it for all of them. Yeah, I think it's more complicated than that. Hmm. I know what you're trying to say though. Um. So, in 2005, Judy Moore was vacationing in Barbados when she overheard a concerning conversation in a public toilet. A man threatened a woman and discussed a deal that was forthcoming... Judy approached the woman, who identified herself as Amy, and she was said that she was from Virginia. Shortly after, the man intervened and forcibly removed the woman from the toilet. Terrified, Judy reported the incident to local authorities and later provided the FBI with descriptions of the men, enabling the creation of a composite sketch based on her account. Yep. So, just like another... Another, yeah, another, one. Yep. Yeah. In July, uh, July 27, 2010, President Obama signed the Cruise Vessel Security and Safety Act, introduced by Senator John Kerry. This act aimed to enhance security, law enforcement, and the accountability on cruise ships in international waters. It made it a legal requirement for all cruise lines and passenger shipping operators to report any criminal activity against U.S. citizens to the FBI. Reporting became... a uh, obligatory even for incidents that occurred at sea in international waters Mm -hmm. the legislation sought to bolster ship safety by mandating measures like 42 inch guardrails peepholes in every passenger and crew door on deck video surveillance and an emergency sound system yep it also established a structured framework for communication between the cruise industry the fbi and the coast guard aiming to promote transparency in reporting yep so like all of this like big safety stuff only happened in like 2010. That's so, like,
1: it's so crazy and hard to believe that it's not there was nothing like that before from the
0: start. Yeah, in 2016, out of over out of the 200 overnight ocean going cruise vessels owned by nine cruise lines. There were instances of four suspicious deaths, including one on Royal Caribbean cruises. Mm -hmm. Additionally, there were six cases of missing U.S. passengers, with four occurring on Royal Caribbean cruises. Among the 62 reported sexual assault allegations made aboard cruise ships in port in 2016, 15 were associated with Royal Caribbean cruises. The first three months of 2017 witness continued its incidents across the cruise industry. Among the now 10 cruise line companies worldwide, two passengers were reported missing, one case of kidnapping emerged along with two assaults causing serious bodily harm, six thefts exceeding $10,000 and 16 reported cases of sexual assault. Despite... The quiet surrounding the Amy Bradley case in 2017 and her declaration as deceased in 1999, the FBI released a video concerning her disappearance. The video announced a reward of up to $25,000 for information leading to Amy Lynn Bradley's recovery. The reward also extended to information that contributed to the identification, arrest and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for her vanishing. Amy's mother, Iva Bradley, also shared her perspective. She expressed how their lives had been forever altered, every moment consumed by the question of Amy's whereabouts. She emphasized the dire reality that when girls go missing abroad, it is often for the reasons related to human trafficking and exploitation. Ivor conveyed, conveyed her unwavering belief that someone took her daughter and her unrelenting desire to see her return. She candidly revealed making personal deals with the idea of divine intervention, highlighting the emotional agony of living with such uncertainty. To her, it was truly the most haunting nightmare imaginable. As the years have passed since Amy Lynn Bradley's puzzling disappearance, her story remains an enduring testament to the complexities of unresolved mysteries and the resilience of her family. Despite the challenges they faced, Amy's loved ones persevered in their search, constantly seeking answers and never giving up on the hope of her return. The case has shed light on broader issues of a safety and accountability within the cruise industry, prompting legislative changes to protect travellers. As of 2023, Amy's fate still remains unknown, a heart-trending reality that her family continues to grapple with. Amy's memory lives on, a reminder of the importance of supporting those affected by similar tragedies and advocating for increased awareness of missing persons cases. The Bradley family's unwavering dedication to finding Amy reflects the enduring power of love and the profound impact a sing- single individual can have on the lives of those who cherish them. The end.
1: Wow. Yes. Man, that is so sad. I know. Just the the unknown is is, wor- is it's the, the part w- yeah. that just oh, fuck
0: the absolute worst.
1: Oh man, that's yeah. That's I just feel for the family. Yeah. Obviously, I feel for her if she's gone through all that
0: and like what her life. It makes became. you think. It makes
1: you think you would rather just know. You know, if we are talking, it has to go worst case scenario. You yeah. make it just think you just you'd just rather know that she'd fallen overboard and. And pass away. I mean, I've always
0: said that. Like, I know it sounds so awful, but I would rather watch my kid get hit by a car and die than them go missing. Yeah. Like, I could not handle the what, where are they, and what is happening to them scenario, and especially like when that's when sex trafficking is like kind of what's known in those areas. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't. She didn't fall overboard. So it just like
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so because it was that, that short gap where she went missing. It
0: was half an hour. She went missing in half an hour. Man, that
1: story took a crazy turn. I thought it was, you know, the nice cruise ship, nice cruise holiday. I know. To end up in freaking Colombia or not Colombia, wherever the hell we are in some sort of potential fucking drug trafficking sex ring. That's I know. Crazy.
0: But yeah, that was that Man, was the case. Another unsolved yeah. mystery. Really sad, just really sad. Yeah. I just, missing persons cases are always, they're my least favorite.
1: Yeah, that's, that wasn't fun. Well, I wasn't, I don't like that at all.
0: Yeah, I don't like listening to them. I get like anxiety about not knowing what happened to them. So yeah. I can only imagine how yeah. their families feel not knowing mm-hmm. like 20 years on what happened and no answers. So anyway, I hope you guys appreciated the bonus episode. Um, I felt like I needed to just get it off my chest I hate getting stopped halfway through a story because then I can't stop thinking about it until I like share it with you
1: Hmm.
0: but yeah that was it you look sad
1: yeah it just sucks it just sucks it's just it's no good
0: no maybe you need a a little survivor story to perk you up next week maybe
1: I do or maybe I need a hug from you oh I don't know about (laughs)
0: that anyway once Um, again thank you guys for listening have a good weekend yes have a good weekend and
1: um Tell me next week.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm going like, to, oh my God, I'm going to do this again, like right yeah, away. Yeah, we do. But because we, we worked so hard to get out a second episode in one week, bonus episode, we would appreciate love on socials and a five-star review. Even though I had a stutter today. Did you notice?
1: That wasn't that bad. You just had, I think it was your normal amount of...
0: My normal amount of stuttering. I don't know. just couldn't get my words out. My mm. vision's a bit blurry too, so I've got my glasses on today. Cute cute so cute anyway catch you guys next week for another episode thanks for listening bye